Hello and welcome to another episode of Schlock Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and aim to review the rage in Nick Cage so that you don't have to. My name is Ash and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh hi Mark. Good evening. We are back from our extended uh, Christmas break. Apologies, it took a little bit longer than uh, most other people, but I was moving house, and we are now set up in the brand new Schlock Tactics studio. You'll be able to see a picture of this on Instagram. It's pretty fancy, and uh, we took our time getting a really good setup. Should sound a lot better than ever, and uh, we're coming back with, I can't believe it's taken this long, but we are coming back with a Nicolas Cage episode. Our fifteenth episode has taken us fourteen episodes to get to Nick Cage, but we always knew we were we were heading in this direction. So here we are: the rage in Nick Cage, the Nick Cage rampage. Despite all my rage, I'm still Nick Cage. <laughs> That's what we're going to be doing today, as you'd expect. So um, it was a while ago now, but if you missed our last episode, it was called Seasons Beatings. It was a, a wrestling themed Christmas special uh, featuring Santa with muscles and Santa sleigh. Two awful Christmas films featuring wrestlers um, in a in a variety of violent scenarios. So uh, go back and check that out if you're still feeling festive. If you're not, I understand. So let's move on into the new year with some Nick Cage goodness. So today we are reviewing Vampire's Kiss from 1988 and The Wicker Man from 2006. Various, various Nick Cage freakouts. If you've ever seen a Nick Cage freakout compilation video, these two movies will feature in there quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, so first up, we are going to be talking about Vampire's Kiss from 1988. Like I say, this is early in Nick Cage's career. He's done a couple of films by this point. He's done like Raising Arizona, Peggy Sue Got Married, and Valley Girl. Mostly romantic leads. This is the first film where he really starts acting quite strangely, <laughs> and uh, would would establish what would go would make him a household name in in good movies and bad movies alike. So. Vampire's Kiss from 88. What were your first impressions of this film? Oh, man. It's just got this kind of crazy in-your-face, like, pre-Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey thing about him. But yeah, like, manic. Yeah, kind yeah. of manic, over-the-top-ness. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I've only ever really seen, until the last few days, I've only ever really seen Nick Cage in actual good films really yeah that's quite surprising <laughs> how did you manage that <laughs> i know so i've seen like um that's so subjective though with nick yeah. cage isn't it i've seen like adaptation raising arizona wild at heart is pretty good but yeah so finally seeing a full-length feature film where he's just being a insane <laughs> well this is the, the, the debate that rages on and still rages on now is nick cage good or bad and we, we can't answer that generally that's a, that's a much wider debate but we can at least answer whether he's good or bad in these two films yeah yeah vampire's kiss opens up with the new york skyline just to let you know it's going to be set in new york mm-hmm. uh with some lovely soft jazz initially uh, to let you know it's sort of the 80s and it's weird sort of segue from from jazz into some quite gothic, overblown, hammer horror type um, vampire music. Yeah. And we're introduced to uh, Nicolas Cage's character, a guy called Peter Lowe. Lowe. And I say Lowe because that's how he talks in the film. <laughs> we're straight away introduced to this very weird accent that Nick Cage insisted on doing for this film. Now... Some people think this is him trying to sound like posh. <laughs> Some people, I don't know. Some people think it's just how he wanted this character to talk. But he doesn't talk like Nick Cage usually talks. No. He certainly doesn't talk like Nick Cage in The Wicker Man, where he mumbles. Um, this is where he just exaggerates every uh, s- syllable. 
and vowel um, in a, an effort to make him sound quite refined, upper-class New Yorker. Um, but he, we initially introduced him in therapy, and he's talking about an encounter he had with a girl. And then I believe we get a flashback to what he's talking about there. The chronology of these therapy scenes with the rest of the film is quite hard to figure out. <laughs> yeah. He seems to be talking about things that have happened, will happen, uh, are happening. It's, it's quite confusing, but we, we definitely get a scene with him in a nightclub talking with a, a lovely lady takes her back to his apartment he's doing some quite good uh, or not so good drunk acting uh, on the way home in the taxi and then when they when they're trying to get it on and you know she's stripping down to her her lingerie a bat flies in <laughs> and she's she's quite freaked out by this but he's fairly nonplussed <laughs> he's like oh, it's just a bat shoo shoo <laughs> shoo bat um, oh, another bat Go yeah and she's so so um, scared of this thing that she um leaves the apartment and just sort of collapses in a heap like semi-naked in the hallway and it's just like a young kid looking over the banister sees her naked and he's, he's like yeah and she looks up at him and she's like there was a bat there was a bat and then we uh, we go to the next sort of day uh, presumably maybe the next week who knows <laughs> and when we see um, really I think where the best scenes unfold in Nick Cage's office it's ridiculous so Peter Lowe is a literary agent he has an assistant called Alva. Alva! <laughs> and um, if our listeners might recognise her, it's an ac- actress called Maria Conchita Alonso, who people will know from uh, being the, the female lead in The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. She's um, in a variety of lycra suits in that. But we get a little, a little snippet into his, his occupation as a literary agent, and more importantly, his... Um, his interest in traumatising his secretary <laughs> at every given opportunity. It's ridiculous. Uh, just abusing him non-stop. And I'm glad he does, because it leads to some funny scenes. It gets worse and worse yeah. throughout the film. Initially, it's just, can you find this contract? I need to. I need you to get this contract. Yeah. It's not the last time you'll hear about this contract. <laughs> I would say, if there, is a, if there is a main sort of plot point to this film, it's man bullies receptionist to find a contract <laughs> in a filing cabinet. The vampire thing is just sort of a subplot. Yeah. It's mainly, where is this contract? It must be in the filing cabinet. So that's going to come up again and again. We're briefly back in the therapy room where he, he reveals that he was strangely turned on by fighting a bat. That's that's it. That's why he wasn't bothered. He was turned yeah, on. Yeah, he was strangely turned on. It's a very strange fetish. Now this was quite... I found this quite confusing throughout. He, he goes to another nightclub and he finds another girl who looks really quite similar to yeah. the girl initially, but is not. It's a different girl. Mm. The girl that was scared of the bat is called Jackie, and this girl is called Rachel. Rachel yeah. And she's the supposed vampire in the film. And it, I've seen this a few times, and it still confuses me because they look really quite similar. So this is this is the girl who appears to be the vampire. Uh, they go back to his place. They have sex, but it's more just her sort of like sucking on his neck, as you'd imagine. And she's just gone the next day. So he comes back with breakfast and she's vanished. So starts to introduce the element of um, quite an unreliable narrator in Peter Lowe. Mm. Like, did this? Did he find this girl? Was she a vampire? Well, she's not there now. So, ooh. Yeah. or is he just a bit mad? And that that's uh, you know, a theme throughout the film as well. We really just alternate between scenes where he's talking to his therapist and scenes where he's like looking for girls in nightclubs, <laughs> <laughs> which I suppose is is is. Um, Probably the the average routine of your your eighties New Yorker 
sort of um, executive. You know, <laughs> probably is a lot of therapy, a lot of girls, and a lot of drugs. We don't actually see him doing many drugs in this film, which I was surprised by. Well, not on camera anyway. Walks out on a girl in an art gallery or something. Oh yeah. Is that one of the girls? Yeah. So I think that's Rachel. He stands yeah. her up in an art gallery, um, and she's yes, yeah, like I'm done with you then. He's like, um, yeah, well, fuck you too, sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. It, I think in both of these films, the theme is a very unlikable protagonist. Yeah. And I'm not sure if he is the protagonist in either of these films. <laughs> he's certainly not likable in this film. And again, we get him shouting at Alva. He says, well, I'm going to call the people who are after that contract and I'm going to have to do a song and dance to them. This isn't going to be good. I want you to watch this. Yeah. And he calls up the guy and you hear the guy on the other end, but she doesn't. And the guy on the other end's like, it's fine. Whenever you can find it, no rush at all. Yeah. And he's pretending that, you know, this isn't going very well. <laughs> one, one of the, uh, the the many memed bits of this film where he just points at her and says, am I getting through to you, Alva? <laughs> um, with a fag in his mouth at the same time. So it's great. So yeah, as you mentioned, he runs out on Jackie at an art gallery and then for some reason she agrees to meet him for another date and he stands her up again <laughs> in favour of uh, Rachel, the vampire, who sort of accosts him in a stairwell. I'm not sure where this is. Um, she leads him up the stairs and this is one of many um, Nosferatu references in the film where mm. you see the silhouettes going up the stairs. Yeah. Nick Cage is actually a, a, a huge Nosferatu fan if it wasn't sort of obvious in this film. Uh, he, he loves Nosferatu and he also produced um, Shadow of the Vampire, the oh, film yeah. from 2000, which is the kind of another meta vampire film where um, it's sort of the making of Nosferatu and turns out that the star of Nosferatu is actually a vampire, is that kind of idea, which is a similar idea that they're doing here. They're kind of breaking the fourth wall vampire film. Hmm. Straight back in the office again, Alva! <laughs> Alva! <laughs> he comes out into the office, jumps on a desk, and says, there you are, <laughs> and then just chases her all around the office. She's just terrified of this fucking executive maniac, yeah. coke-fueled maniac. <laughs> chases her um, through like the offices, chases her into the women's bathroom. He's freaking out in his apartment. He's kicking uh, lampshades, turning over sofas. So um, this is where he's starting to go mad and thinking that he is a vampire. Hmm. So. He looks and he screams into a mirror, what's happening to me? <laughs> Back, therapy session again, therapy session, freaking out, therapy session, shouting at Alva, therapy session, <laughs> meeting a young woman for sex or maybe vampire activities <laughs> is, the, is the routine here. Oh, but in the, in the therapy session, we, are, are, we get the, probably the most famous uh, bit of this film, what I call the alphabet freak out. Oh, yeah. So this is where he's talking again about the contract. Why can't you find the contract? It's easy. You just put it in the filing cabinet. And the therapist is like, well, people do misfile things. He's misfile. like, what? <laughs> misfile? I've never misfiled anything in my life. Not once. <laughs> he's like, it's easy. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A. Just reciting the alphabet, and this is a part of the film I saw long before I actually saw the film. It's great. And then she goes, yeah. very good, you know your alphabet. Yeah, starts to wear sunglasses all the time and starts smoking in the office as well. <laughs> and um, some of the women he walks past just go, oh, he's so eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> he's eating pistachios at his desk whilst wearing sunglasses <laughs> in between smoking. <laughs> and this is where he does his monologue about 
how being a secretary is like a really shit job. It's the worst job you can ever have. Mm. And this is where you get the most famous scene or image from this film is where he's staring wild-eyed at Alva. Everybody's seen yeah. the image. I posted it a couple of days ago on Instagram, but everyone knows it. It's <laughs> it's the, the main thing that people know from this film. It's the Nicolas Cage. Oh, really? Um, Although he doesn't say that, but that's what it, that's what it's memed as. Yeah. And he's really just saying, like, you're so low on the totem pole. <laughs> um, so he's just, so again, abusing this, this woman that works for him. And he eats a live cockroach. Yeah. Which is uh, also another famous part of, of this film. And apparently something he did regret, obviously the animal cruelty element of it. He apparently did regret this, even though it was entirely his idea and wasn't in the script and no one made him do it or even suggested it. <laughs> he just thought it would be good if he ate a live cockroach. And apparently he ate three of them before they got a take that they were happy with. <laughs> Again, this was to make him appear as a vampire. I don't think it did. Uh, Alva can't take it anymore, so she calls in sick to her. <laughs> so, of course, he goes to her house to see if she's all right. And he's outside her window. Alva, are you Okay. And he's got this little sachet of white powder that he's flicking against the window. And he says it's soup. But I don't see any evidence of that. And he doesn't give it to her. And he doesn't make her any soup. Yeah. He just convinces her that um, he was being an ass, And, uh, you know, um, that not to worry about the um, the file, finding the contract. It doesn't matter. You know, there are more important things. She's like, oh, okay. And then as soon as they get in the taxi, he's like, well, you're finding this contract when we get to She's like, what? He's like... It never goes away. Turns on her again. It never goes away. <laughs> and he just starts to go really horrible. Like he starts mm. like dry heaving. He says, shut up, bitch. And she makes an excuse to get out uh, a garage to see her brother who's a mechanic, but is actually getting a, like a gun from him. He's making conversation with the taxi driver and just says, where is that little cunt? <laughs> like, Whoa. <laughs> He's looking in the mirror just saying, where am I? Where am I? So we now we now understand that he can't see his own reflection in the mirror. Yeah. But we can. Hmm. So that's quite a clear message that this is all in his head. Or is it? We still don't know. Alva eventually finds the contract in the filing cabinet, goes to notify him, and he doesn't care. It's too late. Yeah, it's too late. It's not. I found the contract. No, it's too late. And then he starts chasing her again. So he, obviously he's just an arsehole. It was never about the contract. He just yeah. likes to abuse women. Mm. This is not a protagonist or a hero. No. I think he's the antagonist and she's the, the protagonist. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Uh, so he chases her down to the basement. She pulls out the gun and he's like, please shoot me. Please shoot me. I'm begging you to shoot me. And she doesn't. So he sexually assaults her. Takes the gun off her and tries to shoot himself. But he's just firing the trigger and nothing's happening. It's just like smoke coming out of his mouth. He can't yeah. kill himself. <laughs> One of the funniest parts of the film, I think, is where he's just sobbing and breaking down and just... Boo-hoo! Boo-hoo! <laughs> like three times just goes... Boo-hoo! <laughs> and that, that's him, um, I don't know, being distraught, um, yeah. displaying emotion, sort of. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, it's always, I first saw it on a Nick Cage freakout compilation, just him him sort of squatting by a chain link fence going... Boo-hoo! Boo-hoo! <laughs> Um, it has to be seen to be believed people look it up and then he just starts running down the street screaming I'm a vampire I'm a vampire 
turns his apartment into sort of a crypt, um, puts like thick curtains over the windows, turns his sofa over so it's like a coffin. You can slide under it. Goes fang shopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not just, I like that he's not just going fang shopping. Initially, he, he asks what kind of fangs there are. Yeah. And the guy, so here's this like fiberglass one for like a couple of hundred dollars. And he's like, oh, no, have you got anything cheaper? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, he believes he's a vampire, but he doesn't want to spend like a fortune on being a vampire. <laughs> like, I want to be a cheap vampire. So he just gives in the, you know, one dollar like plastic. Yeah. Halloween fangs <laughs> and again he starts walking around like I think he, he's meant to be like Nosferatu again but it just looks weird because he's a guy in a suit it's Nick Cage in a suit with vampire teeth mm. um, looking really quite scary again chasing pigeons he goes clubbing <laughs> he bumps into Rachel who doesn't appear to be a vampire at this point so we think oh maybe she was never a vampire and he's like don't you know who I am she's like yeah I remember you from Oh, a couple of weeks ago, I think. <laughs> Maybe this is just a girl he had a one-night stand with and she was never a vampire and he yeah. hasn't seen her since. Like, yeah, The sun comes up, it is dawn. He's still wandering about the streets, so he can't be a vampire. It's broad daylight. <laughs> like, I think we've, we've established that. Mm. Uh, Alva tells her brother about about him trying to rape her. He gets in his car to go and, go and sort out Peter. Um, I really like this last sequence this last sort of 10 minutes of the film I think is really great it's just uh, Nick Cage dragging like a plank of wood around the streets of New York and yeah. moaning <laughs> and uh, I, I read that this was all shot with a really long lens and that there were no extras in this scene this was people genuinely reacting to this maniac <laughs> Nick Cage because he wasn't famous Yeah, wandering about the streets like covered in blood with a piece of wood and even then, I didn't think they really reacted. They were just no. like, ugh, get, get out. It's like it's New York City. It's hard to shock people on the streets of New York City, probably. <laughs> so he's just moaning. And there's a really great, like, probably the only really good, well-shot, good bit of the film is where he's, it, inter, it intercuts him having a hallucination that he's in therapy again. Yeah. Where he's all well-groomed and he's explaining himself and he's articulate using his posh voice. And it's intercut with him, just a, a blood-stained heap Talking to himself in the street. Talking to the wall, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like talking to a pillar on yeah, the corner yeah. of a wall. <laughs> and it's really it's really well done. It's really well like juxtaposed. It's probably the most well yeah. part. It's like yeah. from a proper film. Yeah. It's like proper acting uh, for this bit. So like the, the therapist is like, you know, I think you've got a, a disorder, but I know that I know a woman who's got the same disorder. I'll bring her in and you I think you'd get on great. So he brings in this woman and um he starts like quoting William Wordsworth poetry to her. And then immediately after he's quoted Wordsworth, it cuts to him back in the street again, just going <laughs> <laughs> to the wall, which I think is just perfect. So in his in his, thera- in his therapy hallucination, he's like, everything's going to be fine now. I've met this woman. We're going to get on great. But then he says to his therapist, ah, oh, but I did rape and murder the other night. <laughs> and she's like, do you know what? That's fine. Yeah, they don't care. Don't, don't worry about that. He's like, Oh, great. Oh, great. So, and the woman that he's been paired with is just smiling in the background yeah. about it. So I think, yeah, I think this is obviously all in his head and he's sort of trying to justify his terrible things yeah. that he's done and the therapist is his, his sort of uh, conscience. Uh, it's it's a, a great idea. If you look back at the whole film from the, through that lens and consider that the therapy sessions have all been in his head, which maybe they were. 
and he's really just a terrible human being trying to excuse himself so he pretends that he's a vampire he pretends and then he ends up back in his apartment where Alva's brother just comes and, and stakes him with, yeah. with, the, with the stake that he's been carrying around for ages which <laughs> obviously was going to happen you know yeah. he was meant to end with that stake and, and so he did and that's it Vampire's Kiss what were your overall uh, impressions of this film Mark? I really enjoyed it I found it really funny yeah um, some of his lines were hilarious and uh, just the way he's acting is just ridiculous. He's obviously not done that much before this film, so yeah. I don't think he had any kind of reputation to lose. He decided that he was <laughs> going to go for it in this yeah. film, and he did. Like <laughs> He plays a pretty horrible character yeah. in the kind of best way for this film. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I was expecting it to focus more on being a vampire, but it yeah. seemed to focus <clears throat> a lot on traumatising or like tormenting his... Uh, colleague his secretary yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it really is the focus of the film it's a story of a man abusing his secretary yeah with some vampire undertones in it for the know. first half an hour or so i was like <laughs> i can't figure out what the plot where, where this is gonna go when is the vampire stuff coming yeah. in and it doesn't really um yeah um, but i really enjoyed it it was shit in the best way i, yeah. I thought it was funny i mean if i don't i've Chose it for the podcast really just because I really like it. I don't know if it is a bad film or not. It's it's really hard to tell. Yeah, because it is meant to be funny, surely. Like, it's a black it's comedy, a, yeah, I yeah. think. Clearly, I mean, Wikipedia describes it as a black comedy. I would say it is a black mm. comedy. Um, not always particularly clever about it, but I would say that it is some sort mm. of satire on, like, 80s businessmen and capitalist, you know, culture and superficial culture of New York yuppies. I'm sure yeah, that's yeah. meant to be like Wall Street and stuff like that was coming out at the same time, wasn't it? I'm sure mm. there was some point to be made there about how, you know, if there are such thing as vampires, they're probably in New York and you you wouldn't even notice because yeah. you see weirdos in the street all the time. And <laughs> how, how would you ever tell if someone was a vampire in, in New York because it's a city that never sleeps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think it's a good film or a bad film? I think it's actually quite a good film. Although, well, I think there's elements of it that are good, as in, like, it does the black comedy well. Yeah. But then there are, mm. like, bits where it's just, like, this isn't particularly well-structured. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, other, the main question in every Nick Cage film is, if you think it's a good film, do you think Nick Cage is good in it or bad in it? His acting is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> because he's been good in a lot of bad films. Yeah. And he's been bad. In a lot of good he's films. very entertaining in this sometimes film. it's a weird mix of both. he's <laughs> always know, entertaining I don't know whether I can just use the words good and bad really that's the thing with it's Nick Cage he's not so black and white he's not so simple <laughs> no. he's not so simple to, to pin down yeah and uh, oh the other main question do you think he was a vampire no no I think he was just mental yeah <laughs> <laughs> he just lost it I think that's why I really love this film because I think like at times you can like laugh at it and it is over the top and ludicrous but there are other times when I just think like this is a really authentic portrayal of someone that's got like huge mental health problems. Like yeah. and every now and then in the film, he, he just gives a look, a look or an expression. Where I think fucking hell for a, a, a quote, you know, normal functioning member of society. Like he, he does a really good job at portraying an absolute lunatic that mm. you wouldn't think could be employed in any uh, occupation. You know, it's yeah, a, it's yeah. a wonder how Nick Cage does get, you know, unless you just meet him in real life and he's absolutely normal and he's yeah. just living the gimmick he's just <laughs> he's just um, method all the way if he's if he's playing a lunatic in a film you're going to believe him and I always do believe him to the mm. point where I think is he alright <laughs> um, I, I think I think he is a good actor in that sense and I think he is um, I think the reason why this film is good is because of his performance mm. and the way he's able to um, 
portray uh, someone who is deeply mentally unwell, but also make you think maybe he is a vampire at certain points. Like, <laughs> you're not quite sure at points, are you? you know, it, 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 that's an interesting idea, you know, is vamp- vampirism uh, or people that think they're werewolves or people that think they're aliens, whatever, you know. Yeah. Are they all just really mentally unwell or is there something more to it? Mm. How popular was this film at the time? No, not very popular, no. but it is, not, it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely now. and that's <laughs> Retrospectively why it, popular. Yeah, that's why it features... I think it's, his reputation has grown a lot over the years and uh, I think if you treat it as a black comedy with this incredible performance from Nick Cage and he'd never done a performance like this before, check it out if you've ever seen uh, any of the Nick Cage freakout videos. They're pretty much... Every clip is from this film. The the image of him looking like a maniac is from this film. The alphabet freak out. Am I getting through to you, Alva? Just Alva, Alva, Alva. <laughs> just, Alva. <laughs> and his accent is just, yeah. There's a, there's a lot to enjoy in this film. So check it out, guys, if you like Nick Cage. And especially if you like Nick Cage freaking out. Okay, so uh, next Nick Cage film we're going to be talking about is The Wicker Man from 2006. Very infamous remake of a very famous horror film, one of the greatest horror films ever made. And like like any other classic 70s horror film, it's going to get a remake at some point. This one was a little bit different, a little bit more um, extraordinary than uh, your average um, horror remake from the mid-2000s, which is when all the horror remakes were happening. Yeah. You were getting Texas Chainsaw, like... Exorcist reboots, remakes, just but the trend in the mid two thousands was let's go back to the seventies horror films and remake them uh, quite often with ludicrous over the top results and it would be no different for Nick Cage uh, in the Wicker Man here. So we fast forward nearly twenty years from uh, a young, fresh faced Nick Cage in Vampire's Kiss to uh, a post Oscar Nick Cage. So. Mm. For people who don't know, um, Nick Cage was once a highly respected actor, so much so that he won an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas in 1995. And like a lot of people, he immediately gave up afterwards. We've we've talked about it before. People like Halle Berry, they win an Oscar. That's it. I'm, downhill. I'm done with serious films. Yeah. Like Nick, Nick Cage must have signed on to do Face Off maybe like a day after he won an Oscar because it came <laughs> out the next year, maybe an under year from, from leaving Las Vegas. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get to Con Air and, and Face Off and those those bombastic action flicks um, <laughs> afterwards. They were at least successful and have a cult following. Whereas by the time we get to 2006, he's done some really good stuff again. He's done stuff like Adaptation and Matchstick Men, Lord of War, I think maybe around this time as well. So he yeah. actually he's done some like genuinely good films in the mm. early 2000s. He, he he shied away from action, but by 2006 he w- he was fancying another another shit fest. And that's why we get the Wicker Man. <coughs> it was uh, nominated for a few Razzies, but didn't win. Ah. Um, surprisingly, it lost out to Basic Instinct 2. <laughs> and um, a film called Little Man, which I had to look up because I'd never heard of. And it appears to be a film in which uh, the Wayans brothers star as um, an adult father and the other one stars as a small child. So it's like the face of a Wayans brother superimposed on like a baby. Hmm. in some sort of hellish something even more grotesque than white chicks yeah i'm sure that was much worse than wicker man so that ended up taking a lot of the the heat away from from wicker man (laughs) but yeah nobody wanted anything to do with this remake robin hardy of the original uh, got his lawyers to write to the makers of this film and take his name off anything to do with it (laughs) any kind of press releases it was not to have his name on it Uh, christopher lee similarly said 
I, this is a good quote. I don't know if it's. I don't know if Christopher Lee ever did do a remake, but he said, "I don't believe in remakes. Not just that they're not a good idea, or you shouldn't do it. I don't believe in." Them. <laughs> I don't have faith. I'm sorry. I like that he took it one step further. I don't believe in remakes. I think he said you can do a follow-up or a, a, like a successor, but what's the point in trying to remake something that's already been done? Which mm. very wise words from uh, the greatest actor of all time, Christopher Lee. Yeah. But The Wicker Man in 2006, it was directed by Neil La Labout, who would come under a lot of fire uh, for being a misogynist. Oh. I can't imagine why. But we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Um, so we open up uh, with some ominous countryside here. Uh, we're introduced to Nick Cage's character, who is called uh, Malus or Malus. They refer, refer to him as Malus. Edward Malus. Edward Malus, yeah. So there was a character called Edward Malus and another character called Rowan Woodward, hmm. which is a reference to Edward Woodward, yeah. who was in the original film. I don't know if someone's pulling my leg here, but in the IMDb trivia, it said that malus was a combination of man and phallus. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I did believe, but then they all pronounced it malus. Yeah. Now, you don't say phallus, do you? No, it'd be malus. It'd, it'd be malus. So I, I think someone's taking the piss on IMDb trivia. Can you can you sort them out, they IMDb? They just wanted to get a thing on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so, like it could be true. I believed it for an <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Um, but um, Malus, Edward Malus is a, a sort of biker cop and he comes across a um, a car on the highway that chucks the doll out of the window of the car which is some foreshadowing mm. um, the car pulls up and he's like oh everything okay? Yeah sorry my daughter's a bit of a shit he's like that's okay and he gives it back the doll she chucks it out again he's like that's alright I'll go and pick it up again mm -hmm. no problem and then Quite unexpectedly, and I've seen this a few times and I wasn't expecting it, the car gets hit by a fucking massive truck and immediately bursts into flames. He tries to rescue them from the car. He's smashing his bike helmet against the back window, but he just cannot get them out of the car. And uh, presumably they, they perish in this in this fire, in this car wreck. And you get the titles. It's very abrupt and intense. Yeah. <laughs> now, don't worry if you didn't catch this opening scene because you will see it about another six times <laughs> yeah. um, throughout the film so you, you you'll you'll get that get that recap later on as you would expect uh, after this he's he can't work he's sitting around in his police jumper his police sweatshirt just um watching daytime tv i guess um he needs a bit more time to get over this mm. this um trauma that he's gone under mm. and uh, they mentioned that well nobody knows who the victims were or where they came from it's a completely unregistered car we don't know who they are. That's a bit weird. Mm -hmm. And then he gets a letter from his ex-girlfriend, Willow. Willow Woodward. Who tells him that her daughter, Rowan, uh, has gone missing. And that they live on the uh, on the island of Summer Isle. It was called Summer Isle in the original Wicker Man. But they've changed it to Summer's Isle. Summer's Isle. And again, maybe someone's taken a piss on IMDb Trivia. But it said on IMDb Trivia that the makers of this film changed it from Summer Isle to Summer's Isle because they didn't think Americans would be able to pronounce Summer Isle. <laughs> that can't be can true. Can that be true? No. Uh, if we've got any Americans listening, can you let us know if you can pronounce the word Summer Isle? Perhaps you can send us an audio clip of you uh, <laughs> trying to pronounce it. <laughs> so to make it easier, they put another S in there. Now that's just bizarre. Um, but that's what it said. <laughs> I, I love IMDb trivia. It, it seems completely unpoliced. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, 
Uh, Nick Cage decides to go to Summer's Isle to find this uh, missing girl and uh, meet up with his ex again, I guess. He's got something on his mind. He gets... Uh, <laughs> you see him on the ferry and he's applying lots of aftershave. <laughs> again, going to see his ex-girlfriend. He wants to be smelling uh, fresh. Uh, <laughs> he has a truck hallucination. Yeah, there's a girl on the side of the ferry and she gets hit by a ghost truck. There you go. And immediately takes some more pills. So we get the again, we get the impression this could all be a fever dream and all in his mind. Perhaps that's the link here between these films. Mm. Um, and we obviously get the impression he wants to save this girl because he couldn't save the girl at the beginning of the film. And he's got something to kind of make up for. Now, it's not so easy to get to this island. You can't just get a ferry all the way there. You, you, you've got to get a plane. So he, he tries to um, commission or get a lift on the local kind of water plane um, that gets deliveries there but um, the guy turns him down and says it's a pretty, pretty private community there they won't really like you going there and I'll get in trouble but he bribes him really unsubtly and he takes him indeed when he gets there there's uh, several middle aged women who are having a go at him immediately like <laughs> what are you doing here how did you get here was it that guy in the plane I'm going to have a word with him you know that sort of stuff um, there's a mysterious um, sack that's dripping with blood the whole time that they're talking to him. And of course, he's like, well, what's in that sack? And then they go, why don't you take a look inside? And he goes to look inside and they like jerk it away and make him jump. And then like, ha, 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 start pissing themselves. And then he just walks off. Well, what's in the sack? <laughs> what the fuck is in the sack then? We don't know. And it's never followed up. Right. So what a waste of time. He goes into the um, the inn, I suppose you would call it. Talks to uh, Sister Oak is the um, they're, they're all the people are called Sister something yeah. in the name of a tree or a plant. Drink some mead. Yeah, she, well, he goes in and says, um, "Could you swing me a room?" <laughs> and she says, "I'm not familiar with your city talk." <laughs> and then Willow makes a grand entrance and says, "He means, can you give him a room?" <laughs> well, I think everyone could have fucking figured that out. Can, Swing you a room? I'm not sure what you mean. Swing you a room? No, you've lost me. We're, we're simple folk here. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily Willow is on hand to translate because, of course, she grew up in this community, but she left for a couple of years to go to the mainland and was corrupted by, by Nick Cage and his phallus. <laughs> his malice phallus. <laughs> She pours him a lovely pint of mead, as you say, because <laughs> we're in the sort of 18th century here. Um, and we get the, the first of many, many, many bee references. Yeah. He squashes a bee with his, with his uh, cup. Why on earth would you do that, the woman says. He's like, well, I'm allergic. Remember that for the rest oh, of the film. That will come up again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll remember that for the next, like, week. <laughs> Even, I mean, you can you can count a bee reference in every scene, I think. <laughs> if not an actual bee or the sound of a bee, it'll be... Um, <laughs> it'll be... It'll, <laughs> the tables in the pub are hexagonal. And loads of things in the film are hexagonal, like a, a, a honeycomb yeah. cell. Mm. He's, he's in the pub again and he notices that there are loads of um, picture frames on the wall and they're all pretty identical. It's just a young girl... Um, standing in like a circle of rocks with loads of like wheat and vegetables around them. So he's like, what's this? And Sister Oak says, ah, that's the uh, Harvest Festival. We take a picture every year of of of, uh, of a young girl. And then she says, oh, we also have a fertility festival, but we don't have any pictures of that. 
<laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> the um sort of there's a teenage girl that works in the in the the bar as well, and she sort of indicates to him that she wants to leave and can can you take take me with you when when you go. He goes to a local schoolhouse again, trying to ask some questions about Rowan, the missing girl, and he meets Sister Rose, who he <laughs> very very um very obviously points out ah Rose, another plant name. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so if you didn't realise by now, he, he he very clearly points out to you that everyone in this film's got a plant for a, mm. for a surname. Sister Rose here is played by an actor called Molly Parker, who hasn't been in much, but I I recently saw her in the Netflix Lost in Space series, uh, which is notable because she co-stars with the guy who played Gustav Graves in Die Another Day. <laughs> wow. So I'm I only watched the first three episodes of Lost in Space. I didn't really like it, but what a link this, to this the dad in the Lost in Space TV show. I'm like, what have I seen him in? I've seen him <laughs> in something. He looks really familiar. It's fucking Toby. What's his name that played Gustav Graves? My friends call me James Bond. Look it up in the archives. <laughs> but yeah, she plays Sister Rose here, just like the original. If you've seen the original film, you know this script word for word, more or less. Just. It's the original script with added B references, <laughs> and you've pretty much got the idea. They didn't do much work on it, really. <laughs> so he's in the school, he said, well, there's an empty desk there. Who sits there? Oh, I don't know. Opens the desk and a crow flies out. <sighs> Why is there a crow in the desk? <laughs> we were keeping it in there to see if it could breathe. <laughs> okay. That's cruel. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy that ate a cockroach, though. He don't yeah. listen to him. No. He asks Sister Rose, do you know who Rowan Woodward is? No, I never heard of her. Okay, can I see your register? Yeah. She's on uh, it there. says Rowan Woodward here. No. Oh. <laughs> That's an empty desk where she's meant to sit. <laughs> she's like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and they go outside and have an argument and she reveals, oh, well, yeah, when I said that she never existed, what I meant is that she's dead. <laughs> That's not the same thing. No. You denied knowing, <laughs> having any knowledge of her at all. <laughs> Tries to, to get out of this. And obviously every now and then, Nick Cage brings up that he's a cop, but no one gives a fuck, basically. Yeah. Um, that's what they're like on this island. Like, your laws don't don't have any power here. And he's like, no, they do. They definitely do. <laughs> yeah. You're in Washington State. This is um, your beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, ah, but you're from California. He's like, yeah, but still, you're still under the laws of Washington State. <laughs> like, I can, I can get someone from Washington to come and have a look if you want. You, you can get a helicopter down yeah. if you want. <laughs> it's crazy completely weird bit that's never followed up just after he's finished talking to sister rose at the school he goes on like a massive wander through the woods and he comes across a woman who's like working on the harvest wheat and she turns around and it's the same actor that plays sister rose and he's like wasn't i just talking to you a minute ago and she goes no no he's like oh, okay why 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 you have the same actor play the character if you're not going to follow up on it in any way what was the point of this yeah it's weird he meets up with uh, Willow in the local graveyard. We get a few scenes in this graveyard, and it's it's revealed to the surprise of nobody that Rowan is actually his daughter. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, yeah. Whoa! <laughs> so yeah, so your ex gets in touch and asks you to come and look for uh, her what ten year old daughter? Mm -hmm. Ten years after you <laughs> broke up. <laughs> And he's like, okay, I will, um, but only because like you're my ex and I've got nothing to do because I've been suspended or whatever. You know, it's like, 
He must have known that was his daughter. Why would he do any of this? They didn't try to conceal that twist at all, did they? <laughs> and the way she reveals it, she's like, ah, oh, have you found our daughter? Oh. <laughs> it's like, what? You, you, what did you just say? It's <laughs> like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> the shittest way to tell someone that they've got a child. Like, oh, I mean, my daughter. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to say <laughs> it's so cack handed it's terrible <laughs> script writing terrible he uh, he goes uh, again down to the docks he's just running around the island visiting everywhere looking looking for clues goes down to the docks and um, he thinks he sees a body in the water so he dives in the water and there's a, there's a young blonde girl under the water so he drags her out of the water but then he wakes up and he's just having a hallucination but then Oh, there's a dead body in his arms. And then he wakes up again. <laughs> it's a double hallucination. Uh, you know you're fucking desperate for ideas when you have a double hallucination yeah. or a double dream in anything that's terrible. So what does he do? Take some more pills. <laughs> the fuck is he taking? He's told that uh, Dr. Moss was one of the last people to see uh, Rowan, the, the local doctor slash photographer of the <laughs> island. <laughs> He goes to see her, she's not giving him anything, so he sort of goes outside for a bit and, of course, breaks in about five minutes later. Has a bit of a look around and uh, discovers the uh, inevitable homunculus room <laughs> where there are just loads of fetuses in jars, as, uh, of course, you would expect yeah. from any um, medical practitioner. Or I think he gets chased through the fields, through the sort of hexagonal fields mm. um, by bees, um, whilst, again, looking around for the, for the girl. He sees her, but he collapses. Because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, fo he follows a sort of phantom of this girl into the yeah. field and, and gets stung by bees, which he's obviously highly allergic to. I think we've established that. He wakes up and uh, Dr. Moss is looking over him. He says, oh, did you um, find my pen, my allergy pen? She's like, no, we used the old way. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not explained what that is. No. And he finds out that he's actually in um, Sister Summer's Isle, Summer's Isles, there's too many S's in this name. Summer Isle, it should be Summer Isle. <laughs> Sister Summer Isle's um, mansion. We're finally, after maybe about, what, 45, 50 minutes, we finally are introduced to Sister Summer Isle, played inexplicably by uh, by Ellen Burstyn, <laughs> who, um, if she isn't an Oscar winner, she's definitely been in Oscar winning films. Mm. Well, so is Nick Gage. Legitimate actress, you know, been in The Exorcist, Requiem for a Dream. What the fuck is she doing in this piece of shit? Feel sorry for her. Yeah, <laughs> she had to uh, lower her her standards to this. I think she does kind of a good job though for what what she does in the yeah, film. She's probably the best actor. And this is obviously the twist on the original in that you know this character in the original is played by Christopher Lee, who's who's the Lord of the of the island. And in this this version of the Wicker Man, it's really quite a uh, a strange sort of feminist um, twist on him. Mm. In massive inverted commas, um, <laughs> but she she gives a speech about how you know well, the men are subs, you know subservient to us around here. You know this this island is run by women, mm. and that's Nick Cage is disgusted by this. Um, she talks about the men are only good for breeding. <laughs> Nick Cage <laughs> says, "Do you mean inbreeding?" <laughs> oh, burn! I mean, they probably are inbreeding. There's not that many of them. So, <laughs> you know, he gives her a sort of lecture on them. On quote normal society and how they should be, you know, they're wackos and they should be following the rules of normal society. And just the, I don't know if it's watching it so so close to Vampire's Kiss, but the the irony of Nick Cage 
like le- lecturing someone for being a weirdo <laughs> and that they're not living in a normal society was just incredible. Yeah. Um, now, in fairness, he is playing it quite cool in this film and compared to a lot of his films. He's, he's mumbling, he's fairly a straight man for the most part. Yeah. The overacting is, is kept to, to a minimum. So I suppose, with this character, I suppose, makes sense. But Nick Cage calling someone a wacko is, is rich, you know. <laughs> he goes back to the graveyard. He finds Rowan's doll, who's had a face burnt off. <laughs> um, he goes down into the crypt. He finds a jumper and gets kind of like trapped underwater. Of course, while he's underwater, he has a flashback of the car burning. And then we get the, well... What one of two most famous memes from this film? How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? Uh, this is Nick Cage asking Willow how how did the doll get burned? With um, I mean I'm pretty sure it's probably only once in the script, but he he asks her around six or seven times how to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? <laughs> and it's it's hilarious, and it's lots of just scenes of him like running around the island like a bit of a maniac. He does start to ramp up the energy at this point, just clutching this doll, like kicking in people's doors and shouting, Summer's Isle! <laughs> Summer's Isle! <laughs> Lots of hexagons here. Um, windows, hexagonal windows. Interestingly in this film as well, I am seven or eight years of Nick Cage films would be used to him being involved in sort of high-speed car chases or boat chases or plane chases. But in this film... He cycles everywhere <laughs> on quite an old-fashioned looking yeah. bicycle. And he looks so weird doing it. He looks like, because he's got quite a tall man. He doesn't look very cool. No, he's, he's, he's pedaling an old-fashioned bicycle wearing like a suit and like blazer uh, and, and jumper underneath. It just, yeah, I guess he's trying to look a bit like a teacher or something. He's meant to be a cop. I don't know why he's not dressed a bit cooler. He bumps into Sister Rose again and she's got like this mask on. And he starts freaking out. Step away from the bike! <laughs> and give me that stupid mask! <laughs> it's sort of a hint of of like what's coming, where like the, he's freaking out and everyone's quite amused by it. They, they're getting quite a kick out of seeing him like start to unravel a little bit. He discovers the pilot, the plane pilot that brought him in, dead on the beach. You only see it very briefly, but it looks like his, his mouth and his eyes have been sewn together or something mm. like that. It's a bit of a waste of special effects, because you see it for like half a second. Obviously, that was the only way he was ever going to leave the island, so yeah. he's fucked now. <laughs> this is a great sequence. He, um, the Sister Oak, the innkeeper, is talking to someone downstairs in the pub, and he starts coming down the stairs. And she starts saying something really sarcastically, like, Oh, you look like you've had a hell of a day. Yeah, yeah, not so fresh now, are you? And he just very slowly, very casually walks over to her and punches her right in the <laughs> face. And this is the first of, of, of many, many instances of... Nick Cage beating the shit out of women. <laughs> this is what characterizes the third act of this film. Nick Cage punches women uh, or karate kicks women, one of those. And I think these are the accusations of uh, uh, misogyny leveled at the director, perhaps, that uh, this was uh, male on female violence. But then again, you know, it's the decision to make most of the, the cast females and that the fact that this island is, is run by females, who else is he going to fight? You know, yeah. it's like. 
kind of fenced yourself in if you want to have Nick Cage having a fist fight, which you don't have to. Yeah. And Edward Woodward didn't have a fist fight in the original Wicker Man, but this is Nick Cage. We're going to have yeah. to punch someone. Yeah. Oh, shit, we haven't got any other male actors. <laughs> He's going to have to punch women. Yeah. Perhaps that's not a good idea. <laughs> there's, no, there's no, like, there's no choice, though. He's got to punch someone. <laughs> He's got to punch someone. So he starts with, like, this slightly older fat woman and works his way down. In fact, just shortly after punching the uh, the innkeeper, he karate kicks the uh, the teenager into the wall and breaks all like the glass behind him, <laughs> which is great. He takes the bear costume and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, here we go. And next thing you know, he's dressed as a bear, um, participating in this sort of um, ceremony, marching along with the rest of the people. And there's some some good effort being put into the costumes. I must say that for this film, if if you could say one good thing about it, it's like pretty good costumes mm. loads of cool masks and people looking really freaky and pagan and stuff like that so i'd say that's a, one of the notable pluses punches another woman in the face while dressed as a bear <laughs> perhaps that's more acceptable <laughs> uh, mix it up a bit <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm sure uh, I'm, I'm sure at one point you know it was one, one of the most google things almost youtube things you know nicholas cage as a bear punches a woman you know <laughs> it's what everyone wanted to see at that time he rescues Rowan. Uh, he actually finds her. She's just in the middle of the woods, just just standing there. Like, mm. It wasn't actually that hard. <laughs> he um, runs away with her. He takes off the bear costume, apart from the feet. He keeps the bear feet on to the end, uh, as far as I could tell. Mm. Strange decision. And he sort of uh, takes her into a field, and then she runs to join all of the women who were standing in the field, and it's revealed. It's revealed that they were all in it together. And it was all a ruse, and it was she. She was never going to be the sacrifice. It was going to be him. It was always going to be him, a man. In the version we watched, and in the version many of you may watch, the very famous scene with the bees um, doesn't appear. Which were, I mean, that's a crime that that scene was ever cut from this film. It's the only reason many people watch this. Film. <laughs> yeah. So the cut. version of this film that we watch had that cut. So we had to go on YouTube and find it. It is there. You just search, not the bees. It is the most famous and most memeable element of this film. It's where they pin him down, they put a mesh hat, sort of mask on him, and they start pouring a sack into it, and he just, oh, what is that? What is that? Oh, my God! Not the bees! Not the bees! And everyone knows what not the bees is. Um, not not just not the bees, but then he sort of goes, and then, oh, my eyes! Many people have seen this scene that haven't seen the film, and you're winning. I think if, if that's all you've seen of this film, you've done it. You've done well because um, <laughs> it's by far the best part. And imagine, imagine going to the cinema um, to see that scene and, and discovering it wasn't there. Oh, they also break his legs as well. <laughs> Arguably the more severe um, form of torture. My legs, my legs. Yeah, him screaming, my legs. And um, just as in the original film, they they revealed the giant Wicker Man. Filled with sort of various barnyard animals, and it's stuffing inside, and this is just Nick Cage going hell for leather, <laughs> just you know, screaming his his lungs out. I like the idea that they um, broke his legs because for most of the film he was kicking, kicking everything, kicking mm. doors, women, um, animals potentially. <laughs> um, 
and he but he can't kick his way out of this i'd yeah. like to think you know and that's it and we get six months later we're in a we're in a bar in a city and there's uh james franco yeah for some inexplicable <laughs> reason i'm pretty sure he was famous in 2006 why is he be, why is he in the wicker man for two and a half minutes <laughs> but him and his buddy are uh, start chatting up these women in the bar and it's actually willow and the uh the teenager they just say where are you going when you leave here Obviously, they're going to be seduced and brought to the island as the uh, the next sacrifice. Mm. So there we are, the Wicker Man remake, two thousand and six. What were your overall impressions of this one? Mark? Uh, I enjoyed it. It was uh, there was some amusing parts in it. Mm. At the same time, it just <laughs> clearly doesn't pack the same punch that the original does. No. It just doesn't have that kind of same haunting. Uh, insanity that not that I was expecting it to because I knew knew it was going to be shit but yeah um, yeah it's just kind of like some of the characters were just like not particularly well developed or some of the scenes were just kind of repetitive in some ways there are elements where it's just like oh yeah now i'm searching for rowan here now i'm searching for her here yeah um <laughs> just wandering about the woods kicking <laughs> yeah. people's doors in yeah not a whole lot of direction it was amusing some of the one-liners were terrible some of the acting was awful um yeah it was a good it was a good bad film yeah this this is actually the second film that we've reviewed that is on the imdb bottom 100 mm. um i believe it's number 64 and yeah, d- deservedly so. It is. It is a terrible film. Uh, one of Nick Cage's worst, uh, and that's saying something. I think it's a bad film in which Nick Cage is bad. The ultimate, uh, the ultimate failure. Really, <laughs> um, he doesn't even really freak out. He does at points, and obviously you get you know not the bees and how to get burned. Uh, you know iconic Cage moments. Yeah. But there's a lot of the film where he's just mumbling and he's like looks like he's sedated. Which I suppose he is taking all these pills. Maybe that was a decision on the, for the character, but I I doubt it. Hmm. Um, I don't I don't think he really cares much in this film. Believe it or not, at the time uh, when it was getting not great um, reception from everyone, he he had the audacity to claim that this film was also meant to be a black comedy, <laughs> and that he it was deliberately absurd. That was the point. Uh, no. <laughs> Vampire's Kiss, yes. Wicker Man, no, no, no. Um, but he, he would later admit that it was actually just absurd, yeah. not deliberately absurd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think he probably is a huge fan of the original and a, a big fan of Christopher Lee, um, and that's probably why he did it. Even though it's almost identical to the original in terms of the um, the screenplay and the characters, just with a few kind of gender swaps and name changes and stuff, it just. Um, yeah, I think changing the location to America kind of takes something away. Ellen Burstyn does a good job, but she's obviously no Christopher Lee. And um, yeah, Nick Cage is kind of just phoning it in in this one, I think, which is what makes it just kind of um, a bit dull in parts. If you had to make one of these films live on uh, a weird cultist island in the middle of nowhere, um, which would you send there forever, Vampire's Kiss or The Wicker Man? To never return, never to be seen again. Mm. Strange, I was expecting to think that because The Wicker Man is so famous that yeah. I would prefer it. But I actually preferred... I laughed more and preferred <laughs> Cage's performance in um, Vampire's Kiss. So yeah. I would keep Vampire's Kiss. Uh, so you weren't that. you weren't expecting Wicker Man to be just plain bad? You thought it'd be good, I knew it was good be, bad? Yeah, I thought it'd be good bad. It's a fine line. There yeah, were yeah. points where I was just like, oh, this is just like a bit... 
pretty dull. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just drags at points. Yeah, like, well, I say points. Like, most of the... Like, quite a large Certainly the of first the act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Much of the second act. Yeah. Some of the third. Whereas, like, Vampire's Kiss was so stupid and funny and yeah. ridiculous <clears throat> that um, I think it was actually done pretty well. Um, it was more entertaining for me. So yeah, I would... Yeah. I preferred Vampire's Kiss. yeah. Absolutely, yeah, Vampire's Kiss, I think, is the, the better-made film. Perhaps it catches Nick Cage in his younger, more energetic days when he was really just trying to make a name for himself and get noticed, and I think he did that. Mm. Um, you know, he would he would be in a couple of films, big films after this, like, you know, Caught the Eye of David Lynch would be in Wild at Heart, where, yeah. where he didn't really freak out. He played a pretty straight romantic lead, which is weird. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he did a lot of good stuff in the 90s following, following Vampire's Kiss, so I would say that really put him on the map and showed he could really do this unhinged crazy character which he would you know which would come to define him the wicker man like you say it's probably best viewed as a five minute compilation on youtube and mm. uh we just looked on youtube and there is that on there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i think you can condense the wicker man into five minutes but i wouldn't want to condense vampire's kiss into uh, into five minutes so i would say vampire's kiss the better bad movie and the better uh, nick cage performance completely wild man um, unhinged so it has to be seen to be believed so uh, go check that out okay so if you uh, have an opinion on any of these films or Nick Cage films in general do get in touch and let us know what you think is the best or the worst Nick Cage film what one should we do next time if we do another Nick Cage episode I'm sure we will uh, you can always get in touch with us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at Schlock Tactics please subscribe uh, to us on iTunes and give us a nice five-star rating if you wouldn't mind. And of course, um, we are now on YouTube as well. We just launched this week. Find all of our podcasts on there in video form. Um, If you're a person that likes to listen to podcasts on YouTube, you can now do that. So give us a subscribe on that channel as well. And a few likes, that would be great. Share that around. We'd like to get a few few YouTube followers as well. And we may even do some extra... Uh, exclusive content for YouTube if it, if it goes well. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a very special Razzies uh, episode. Uh, we'll be previewing uh, all five of the, uh, the films nominated for Worst Picture. It's, uh, it's going to be a rough couple of weeks, but we'll be back here in, in time to give you an idea of what to expect from the Razzies, some of our predictions, and you can watch that. Uh, but that has been another episode of Schlock Tactics. My name's Ben Ash, and I've been joined again by Mark. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.